Ah, fuck. Are, are you alright, son? No. My... my wife is dead. Oh, I'm so very sorry to hear that. If you need the day off, please go home. No, 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 I have to work and my son's being a fucking asshole. Your son, yes. your son is also being an asshole? Yeah, he keeps fucking talking to some imaginary goddamn... Mm -hmm. he, he drew a picture of him who looks just like me. Interesting. And I was like, why'd you give him like a different mustache? That's all you did. Yeah, yeah, diff a different mustache than your handlebar one that you're currently rocking. Yeah, well, I'm in a 70s rock band. We're called, uh, we're a canned heat, uh, knockoff. We're called canned beans. No, so, okay, that's uh, great. Well, again, <laughs> if you need the day off, I mean, I, I totally understand. No, I'm just gonna write a movie about it. Oh! About, about canned beans? I love a, a good musical. No, about my shit son. Wait, wait, here he is, here he is. Here's my shit son. He's getting on the elevator. You brought your, is it, is it bringing his son to work day? I could have brought Elijah. Hello, go ahead. Hello, young man. Hi. I heard you've been a little bit of a troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, well, my imaginary buddy would never say that. That you've been a troublemaker. Buddy, he's imaginary. See, he even admits he's imaginary. Okay, okay. What I'm gonna play. Fuck? I'm gonna be a little bit of a Jesus peacemaker. Yeah. Hey, hey, kid. Kill these two. Kill these two in an elevator. Steal their stuff and kill them. We're spies. Absolutely. It's the only way to win the game. <laughs> See, what is he talking about? This, this is my grenade. Take this, asshole. It's a fucking <laughs> softball, you fucking idiot. Oh. Well, this seems to be a a deeper family problem that I can possibly uh, fix. So why don't you both go take the day, and I'm going to go back to running Southern Studios. Dad, that man works for Russia. I'm telling you. You're going to live with your uncle. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies. That's right, Justin. We are just three old jelly blasters who like to talk about <laughs> movies from our childhood that were inappropriate for one reason or another. Like 1984's Waste of Time, Cloak and Dagger, <laughs> starring Dabney Coleman and Henry Thomas. Mm -hmm, indeed. And we are so pleased... So thrilled, so honored to be joined by actor, improviser, writer, stalwart of the Upright Citizens Brigade, guy who was in one of my favorite Hallmark Christmas movies uh, of all time. So good. Ali Gondor, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me. Kevin, one of your favorites. Can you name two others? Uh, Home Alone. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, it, it's aired on... Hallmark. <laughs> it aired on that channel. It's a freeform. It's a freeform yeah. Christmas movie, yeah. folks. But it's very much in the genre of a Hallmark movie. I I also like the one <laughs> where the big city lady uh, who can't focus on her personal life inherits a farm and has to move to Nebraska and uh, saves a Christmas tree farm. And everybody learns a valuable lesson. They mm -hmm. really do. 
Do you think uh, the state of Nebraska was super stoked when, like, that third wave of ska happened? Do you think they were just like, <laughs> fuck it, it's like, it's our time. Like, it's in our name. I think I think we need, first, we need a man on the scene in Nebraska <laughs> to report about the ska movement. And secondly, uh, I used to be very into ska in high school and wanted to start a band called A La Ska, as in a la carte, but also Alaska. And uh, it turns out none of my friends played instruments. <laughs> and, or the ones who did also did not want to be in a ska punk uh, band. I think everybody thought it was going to be a, like, instead of Christian rock, it was going to be like Muslim ska. They thought it was like Allah ska. <laughs> I mean, that's good, too. Different spelling, but perfect. Uh, Ali, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're so funny and uh, might I say conventionally attractive, uh, you're really bumping up our cred here. Oh Why? Look at that oh scruff. Look at that. You tear it up on scruff. These guys all have scruff who are talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, like yours, though. Yours is like yeah. thick and like full. Look at those dimples. And, and I should say new. You look new. We look, <laughs> me in, in particular, we look old. We look like uh, we're thrift store, baby. <laughs> I mean, we're, I was getting uh, during the pandemic. I had a little bit of like the um, the, the castaway beard going for mm-hmm. a while. You know, that was where I like, definitely hit my point. I was I was still trying to do, you know, commercial auditions for like like uh, life insurance and just looking completely like a scraggly mess. And I realized <laughs> at some point when I look back on pictures now of like how bad it was, I was just, this is, this was an insane thing to attempt. I feel you like were... I, I totally torpedoed a ton of on tape auditions. Cause I'd had a gross scraggly beard yeah. and I feel like they probably had a dearth of just, just like another after another, just this dude doesn't shave. Yeah, this dude doesn't shave. Next, this dude didn't shave. Everyone, if you went through the tapes for casting, I bet it was such a nightmare for them. It's like, oh god, another awful beard. (laughs) What over and over? Everyone's auditioning for life insurance, but they look like they're about to collect. Yeah, (laughs) very much. (laughs) Uh, So Ali, uh, you picked this movie, Cloak and Dagger, out of all of the movies uh, to pick for our podcast, which is about inappropriate movies for your age. Why would you select this one? Uh, this one, this one mainly was just kind of, it it existed on a VHS tape before I was born in my house and it was definitely taped off of HBO. Um, and this was one of the movies that I was able to watch, uh, safely. Like I could throw this on without my folks being like, what are you watching? You know? Um, and also this, I think it in specific hit during a period of my life, which like I look back on now as just a desperation for video game content, <laughs> like being so deprived of of I mean, I mean, don't don't make me get on my like old man horse about this. But like kids these days have so much access to video game stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just remember back in this time when there was like. Yeah, you know, I had a subscription to GamePro magazine oh, so yes. that I could look at photos <laughs> of screenshots of video games yeah. and just like enjoy them that way. And this was one of those ones where it was just like any any this the 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 wizard was like another mm-hmm. movie wizard, like that the where it was just like great. I would I would sit through hours of garbage just for the glimpse of seeing somebody playing a video game in it and like watching their screen. The wizard you had to sit through an entire movie 
just to get to Super Mario three at the end. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh -huh. no, yeah, family relations. I don't care. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, grow Man. the tail. Let's go. This movie's funny about video games too, because I feel like video games are so in their infancy in this that mm -hmm. it's a, an, an idea of what the culture was without there being a super big culture at the time of what it actually was. Yeah, it's kind of it's in that weird transition of like Dungeons and Dragons nerds uh -huh. sort of like getting, you know, you got Morris with his like computer setup, but you can tell he's definitely like a tabletop guy at heart. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Also I just the fact that like throughout the movie until the very end they refer to uh the cartridge as a tape. Like not even the writers <laughs> yeah. know really what they're writing about. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, yeah, it's a tape, like a, a video cassette. That's yeah, for a yeah. second I thought like maybe when he opened it up, I was like, Well, maybe it is a tape. Maybe he opens it up and there's like a real like I don't know how uh, video yeah. games back worked back in the day, but no, it was just computer chip. But Atari No, instead it's yeah, it's a microchip. He's <laughs> yeah. like, look at this microchip. Yeah. There could be anything on here. Yeah. Input, output. <laughs> <laughs> but atari would know the difference and yeah, they yeah. were helping on this i yeah. mm. i just like right off the top i wrote down and i think this is just let's just keep this in the back of our mind for the whole episode this movie was very much uh fuck it it's fine <laughs> like there's yeah, yeah. so many things where they're just like ah, fuck it let's just go let's just shoot yeah and uh it's for kids just remember it's for kids it's not for kids <laughs> like, though that's the other thing it's like i remember this movie as a kid watching it a lot and then like but like going back and watching it now being like the fuck is this movie about like mm -hmm. i've watched this movie a million times and i do not remember what this fucking movie's about <laughs> except that he has an imaginary friend that looks like his dad that's it yeah i used to watch this movie a lot as a kid and i felt good watching it um again yesterday because i was like oh i've gotten smarter because this movie yeah. is dumb <laughs> as shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I don't want it to be like the whole episode of like, why didn't they do it this way? Because again, they were like, fuck it, it's fine. But I just want to bring the big overall thing that I have with this movie, which is, isn't it the about the wrong parent or, or the dad should be dead, right? Like it's, yes. what, am I, what am I trying to yeah, say? No, it's like, you're right. It's like he's a, Jesus, Angel's really chiefing back there. Uh, it's her day off. She's had three or four mimosas, and I mean, two pieces probably, of pie. She's gonna, she's gonna uh, stumble into this show any minute. Um, uh, it fucking reeks of weed in here too. Um, yeah, like that. So, just a quick you think, summary. You think that it should be? You think that it should be the the dad is dead, and then thus his imaginary friend is like the dead dad. Yes, That's, exactly. Yeah, so, so the gotcha. mom is dead, but yes. nobody really cares. And no. So the kid, in his fantasies, is trying to connect with the dad who is up in his grill for fucking night all the time. Like, yeah. shouldn't you be fantasizing about your mom as the hero, or have it? the mom is still alive and your dad passed away. And so you're now trying like, yeah, the idealized version of like the parent who's gone makes way more sense. Right. Yes. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But if I, you're remaking I think this, that's what you do. I think this, is, I, I think that's a great note. I think it's a different movie. I think that one of the, uh, one of the core themes of this movie is about uh, misplaced idolization mm -hmm. because uh, he is seen like uh, his male role model uh, as like just like his, his actual dad as uh, fuddy duddy 
and just like not not really getting it, not getting it, man. Uh, but then he sees this super spy, which as the thing progresses, this spy is a terrible role model. In yeah, that he yeah, just, yeah, yeah, he's just like he's, yeah, steal he's a shit. Demon. Yeah, uh, he's, steel he's, he's very much someone. he's like his id, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like there's something yeah, that we yeah. represent. There's actually even a second version of the movie that I thought could be better, and I was like, has this been done? You're like your your fantasy idolized hero. I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if the the made make believe hero double crossed the kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that'd be interesting, but no, he, he's kind of a shitty spy, like. I mean, you're you're talking about one of our favorite movies, Monkey Bone. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Monkey Bone himself. He uh, but he, if he but if by like body. the third act, you found that like Dabney Coleman or the fate, you know, Jack Flack or whatever was like setting the kid up. I was like, that'd be interesting. But <laughs> no, he's just kind of like uh, not a great spy. A smarter movie would, would but yeah, set he... him up. but teach him a lesson. Like, oh, that's why he was doing it. I like the thing I did like, and I didn't do enough of it was like uh, like towards the end of the movie when like when they steal the car and he's like i don't know how do you work this thing and damny colvin's like i don't know like i'm also a kid as well like yeah basically. it was really really late in the movie but like that logic of uh, like he's not gonna know anything that the kid wouldn't yeah like i think you needed that way way earlier. Earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but but also here's the thing uh when he's running away uh from the main guy from mr rice uh who has that like giant giant silenced assault rifle yeah uh he uh uh, Jack Flack really quick just says, "Hey, don't go that way. It's a dead end." Yeah. yeah. And so, like, yeah. that's the only moment where this imaginary character is like, "Well, I know the layout. I know. Right. I know, right. like, down by the riverside." Yeah. So the logic if, is, whatever the kid knows, he knows, mm -hmm. and also blueprints of yeah. every yeah. city. Yeah. <laughs> and if he and if if uh, Jack Flack only knows what the kid knows, then they definitely should have had a femme fatale or like a Bond girl in the movie like try and seduce mm -hmm. Jack Flack and he just doesn't know what to do. He's just like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing, driven before, right? <laughs> uh, one thing I found really funny about like Jack Black or <laughs> Jack. I, I, thought, I, I, knew, honestly, I had to look it up. I kept thought, I thought he kept saying Jack Black too. I was uh -huh. like, Oh yeah. One, uh, they could have. This movie's too old, but they could have cast a child, uh, Jack Black in that role. <laughs> yeah. Killed. Right. Mm -hmm. He would have destroyed, uh, <laughs> Uh, one one thing I found fascinating about like sort of the putting away of childish things and like moving on and like growing up and uh, realizing that your idol is your dad all along uh, because he he comes through when he needs to. But uh, normally imaginary characters, when they have the lesson of just like, well, I, I'm moving on because you uh, you stopped believing <laughs> you stop believing in me they normally don't die of bullet hole wounds like it <laughs> yeah. was it was like uh i'm sorry i have to go because you don't believe me anymore oh but also uh those shots really did hit and yeah. i'm bleeding yeah, yeah. out i'm bleeding and out it, yeah. yeah and it's definitely it's definitely your fault if you still believed i would have survived yeah. but oh well goodbye yeah. it should have been like he's like you know, throws himself on the grenade and it's like, get out of here, kid. I got this. Something like that. Not just like, so heroic. You use, the, you use the term in the intro. What is it again? He's a jelly, a jelly squirter. What's the, he's, what's the phrase? <laughs> he's a, uh, he's an old jelly blaster. So jelly blaster. He, that was when he said that first time I've ever heard it. I don't remember that from the movie as a kid. Yeah. And it happens right after he gets shot up. Is that what he's talking about? Is just the blood coming out of him? No, he oh, shot, cause he no. shot him with, he shot Michael Murphy with jelly. 
with jelly, before, right? No, it was a jelly. Ink. It was like fake blood. Yeah. Was, uh. So what does je- what does an old jelly blaster mean to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a like, Harvey Weinstein. I feel like it's nickname. one of those things where you just kind of nod and go, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> it, I, everybody might have a different idea of what that means or what it's referring to. Uh, I mean, what would a jelly blaster be? <laughs> Because, yeah, I don't think it's the blood that's squirting out of his stomach no, yeah. uh, from the <laughs> bullet hole. That was just my brain making the immediate, like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, it's probably the blood coming out that I can look at right now. <laughs> my other pitch is it, a, gel, a jelly blaster is just referring to himself as, like, old out of shape. Like, like I'm a, mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. a jelly donut eating, you know, like a, a frosting... A uh, shooter. That sounds bad. A frosting blast. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like some something something in the realm of like you know you know me eating donuts yeah. and something. I mean a, yeah. fro- a frosty a frosting shooter yeah. definitely is more. <laughs> I'm gonna use that later. Here comes the frosting. Um, <laughs> the idea of Dabney Coleman as your your spy hero. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, this is when they used to cast mm-hmm. just normal people in movies. I know, like, but it's such a <laughs> funny, like, let's get a 65-year-old man. <laughs> a balding, uh, out-of-shape, <laughs> past yeah. middle-aged man. You I know, mean, like, now it would be, like, Channing Tatum, you know, like, yeah, or Michael B. Jordan, either, mm-hmm. neither of whom have any body fat, any, like, normal teeth. <laughs> they all got, like, piano keys in their mouth. But, like, yeah, back then they used to just fucking, like, yeah, Dabney Coleman, who cares? Yeah. It's fine. It, would, it would be like if a kid if a kid today had like Paul Giamatti on a poster on his wall. Like, <laughs> yeah, my action hero. That's actually that's who I would cast now. Yeah, that'd be really fun. <laughs> Paul Giamatti. So, uh, so Dabney Coleman is a good segue into talking about our director Richard Franklin. Uh, mm-hmm. Dabney did a 2012 AV Club interview. Uh, and he said, I thought it was a great idea. I didn't get along with the director. He since passed on, but he was, well, I won't say that. But it was great working th- with that little kid. Uh, so, <laughs> so Dabney basically threw shade on Richard Franklin, mm-hmm. who uh, is uh, a Hitchcock aficionado. Uh, he directed... Uh, he directed uh, Psycho 2 before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... I mean, you can't watch this movie and not see that it's just a Hitchcock movie for kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> right right down to the choices that are just, like, uh, unsettling to a child because he just doesn't... He hasn't seen a Hitchcock movie for kids. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I guess everything flies. I guess a scientist can get uh, shot multiple times and then fall down like a spiral staircase like that was <laughs> that's what was missing from vertigo you know yeah <laughs> Just, so lurching towards yeah. the kid like traumatizing yeah. him forever uh but yeah like the uh the missing finger reveal that's like straight out of uh 39 steps like the old helpful couple that's from the man who knew too much uh there's just a lot of touches and a lot of shots like uh i'm thinking specifically of using uh when uh when davy is going up uh to retrieve the uh the catalog uh, it pauses and you see his reflection across uh, mm-hmm. from the other building. Right. And that's like one used to show uh, that uh, Jack Flack is imaginary. But then right. on the next floor, it's so like we see this first person view that he's seen 
uh, of the murder while also seeing his reaction. Whoa. But what's interesting, like... Rear window style a little bit, maybe. Now, what I find interesting is, like, saying all of that stuff out loud sounds, one, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And two is like, oh, yeah, no, I totally get it. But there's that's the difference between uh, genius and just some schmuck directing a movie. Like, Hitchcock's, like, the most graceful filmmaker of all time. Like, just the way he revealed stuff was subtle and stuff. Like, this one, they're like, oh, I know somebody's missing two fingers. And then, like, <laughs> like two minutes later, that old woman's just basically like, look at my hand. You know? Like, you know oh, that didn't get you guys? Thing? It got me. That fully got me. Oh, yeah, it, it felt it, a little, it, it, no pun intended, it felt a little heavy-handed. It felt a little So, like, So you thought, like, when the grandparents were introduced, you were like, these are bad guys. No, it's just the reveal of the finger. The fingers yeah, felt like yeah, just yeah. clumsy. Just felt like there right. was no better way to do it. Well, it feels I'm, like there's a better re- reveal than two missing fingers. There could be something a little more subtle. Like, yeah, that he catches well, if you want to do, but if you want to do the homage, like Kevin said, yeah. I'm just saying, like it could have been like the grandma or what the old woman, you know, puts her hands on Henry Thomas to shield, you know, like comfort him. And that's when he like looks over and it's like he can feel that she only has finger, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. This literally Instead, was just like she just kind of flashes it. Yeah, this him. was like this is that thing I just said two minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, this I, I us- did, I did. It got me though. It got me. I'll tell you, I, uh-huh. even even knowing the movie as a kid, when I was watching it again as an adult, I was like, oh wait, I don't remember these old people. And then like, mm-hmm. there's just that creepiness of like being a kid in danger, finding people who are gentle and willing to help you, and then. They're worse. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I think this leads us nicely into uh that whole exchange scenario. And this is what should have tipped you off, uh, at least an adult Ali and not a childhood Ali. Like the fact that the camera bag that uh the bad guy has is the exact same camera bag. <laughs> like, that's like, oh, an exchange is taking place and something's a little fishy. But I just want to talk about the plan for this exchange. They wait until closing time. They mm-hmm. leave the bag in the center, like on mm-hmm. the nameplate where everyone is going to see. Don't you normally do an exchange in a crowded room instead of when everyone is being ushered out? They mm-hmm. leave it in the center as everyone's leaving. The only people there are the staff. So then the old guy by plan is supposed to go up to this bag and switch the bag in front of the only people who are looking there who are just like, hey, don't do that. And then and then leave. The other guy left. He's supposed to circle back after closing hours and say, like, oh, I left that bag there. Then uh, the kid like causes a kerfuffle. She uh, ushers uh, him back uh, to the car and then he is watching. He's like, no, he took the wrong bag. The problem is uh, for an exchange to take place, it needed to be the right bag. Like the bad guy always had the cartridge. If they were, exchange- there's no reason for an exchange. Yeah, no. It doesn't make any sense. Also, I feel like bullshit. an old, old elderly couple, like who's suspecting? We never under, like nobody's ever suspecting them of anything, right? No. They could have just walked up to him and be like, "Hey, here you go. All right, yeah, <laughs> yeah." I, I it don't would have been a lot, a I, lot more smooth. Than I don't. What they did do I'm sure. Again, I don't understand what's really happening in this movie. <laughs> of like, because they are the ones getting the old couples, the ones 
who are trying to get this tape to sell or whatever. And they hired these other people to get it for them, but they don't know the people when they're on the boat. You know, yeah. the old people right. are foreign spies either from Cuba or using Cuba as their refuge when they try to escape. I think that's yes. what, they, what it, yeah, they're going to Cuba. I know that. So they're foreign spies who someone from the inside of the U.S. is selling them these the cloak and dagger tape. Right. But they weren't following either the kid or the henchmen because no. they were already on the boat. And then, like, they uh, – <laughs> I actually liked it because uh, when there's commotion and they're moving, uh, the the lady is like, George, look. And, like, dead center in frame is just two kids – just like fucking Frenchin, just full on, yeah. just like yeah. tongue in mouth. And I wasn't sure if it was just like, hey, let's watch these kids for a little bit. Like, like because like they're they're not doing the looks like a perv to me. Yeah. <laughs> they're not doing the exchange until much later. So they're just like, let's see the city while we're here. I mean, right. It's, it's very historic. I mean, just yeah, during their off time. Just the, also just the plot point of the whole movie of the these plans are on the final level of a fucking video game that you have to beat and like get a high <laughs> were these yeah. old people going to get this and be like they put it in and be like the fuck is this yeah like, <laughs> i mean th- thankfully it looked like an easy game but imagine if it again like was like top gun or something to be like, yeah <laughs> uh, all right get that kid back in here <laughs> Guess we gotta build a new invisible bomb yeah, or no yeah. one's ever gonna beat that score. <laughs> Did you guys oh. read that it wasn't public knowledge that uh we were actually working on a stealth bomber at the time? No. Oh. Cool. Like I, I read somewhere that like apparently they had done research and they like they realized that this was this was like the next evolutionary step in like our weapons program. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't See, fully known across movie. the US. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> the movie, it's not even a movie, it's a long episode of Magnum PI. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> like tonally, it's a it's a TV show. Like the especially with like the music cues and stuff, they're very like, oh, we're going to break. Nope. No, we're not. <laughs> like, and then everyone just kind of pauses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my my scene that made me go hmm the most was. She's great. I didn't know what she. I didn't know why she was standing in the corner and not saying anything for the first half of the podcast. But once she goes off, you really understand what, is that, what you're getting. Is that a new drop? I don't think I have that in my library. I don't normally play that one. I oh, normally yeah. go. Okay. She's bringing it on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She feels it. Um, mine is uh, very, very near the end of the movie. It feels like I'm going to express it. People are going to go, no, no, no. Obviously, it's this. But when Jack Flack gets shot. Mm-hmm. Why is the bad guy in real life, all imaginary stuff aside, is he just angry that the kid keeps looking in this direction? Are we supposed to believe Mm. that he thinks the kid is looking towards someone who might be there? And so he just blind fires at a blank wall Mm -hmm. like he unloads into a blank wall. Or does he see Jack Flack for some reason because he has 
some sense of childhood <laughs> imagination, but then Jack Flack says, nah, he couldn't have enough imagination to see me. <laughs> and like, there is like an element of, of Jack Flack, like he kind of phases into reality a little bit. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if that's just like low yeah. budge special effects or if that's an intentional visual choice, but he, there, it's so confusing to me. Like you can tell the yeah. bad guy's looking like, what are you looking at? What's, yeah. what's over there? And he's getting pissed off that like uh, the kid keeps turning his head over there. But then the, to cross the point into the kid screams, no, Jack, or something, or mm-hmm. even before that, and then just to, like, unload an entire clip of ammo into a blank wall, well, if I it's, did not understand. If that. it's the latter that he sees him, I mean, everyone's the hero of their own movie. This is this guy's story, which is yeah. he used to have a real imagination and used to be a yeah. kid, turned to crime, finally gains his childhood-like imagination back and is killed. <laughs> No. No. my theory okay i have a new theory <laughs> this post 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 input just let me piggyback on that theory the main bad guy has been the entire movie having his own struggle with his own secret agent mm-hmm. who is his own imaginary person yes who happens to be standing in the same place mm-hmm. that jack flack was standing so neither of them can see each other's person but this guy has like his his, you know, like uh, Natasha, Natasha Nietov or whatever, like secret spy that only he can see. Mm-hmm. And she's nudging him. She's like off this kid right now. Why mm-hmm. are you talking to yeah. him? Stop, stop mm-hmm. stretching it out. And so he gets pissed off, turns towards his fake imaginary person and unloads in her. Or to piggyback the piggyback, <laughs> it would have been cool to maybe introduce like a bully character that bullies like Henry Thomas. And he has his own. Uh, imaginary spy which is michael murphy so when he gets killed then we turn and over there's the bully and he's like oh my guy's dead or something but again that's why this movie is fuck it it's fine like they didn't we're like just spitballing ideas and they did not do that so So baseline baseline all all of the pitching aside what is the truth of that moment like what actually happened in real life i i think either i think either it's very close uh to post's version where uh, all of the characters in the movie use their imaginary imaginary characters as Pokemon to battle each other. (laughs) Or uh, when the kid yells out and says, uh, uh, Jack, don't, uh, he turns and fires at the only blank lit space instead of just like, I, I could see it that like, he uh, he in that moment is like, oh, no, like somebody's going to make a move. Uh, but then you would just spray like willy nilly. Yeah. You wouldn't like you wouldn't. Lo- That's unload. what I was thinking, too. It's such an easy fix. Like if you just had hint Jack in like a shadowed kind of area, like who are you yeah. talking to in there? Yeah. You know, I was thinking it more of like as a dad of like maybe that Dr. Rice is like a dad. And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, is that your imaginary friend over there? Bang, 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 bang. Now he's dead. You know, that's because that's what I would do. <laughs> Like my kids are like, <laughs> he is tormenting him quite a bit at the end. He tells him he could turn him into shredded meat. Yeah, mm. he he says I'm gonna fire off your kneecaps and you're gonna wish that you were dead. Which again is just like I guess kids want to hear that. I go, Kneeca- like this kneecaps is- first and then and then a shot to the stomach, <laughs> gut yeah. shot where you bleed yeah. out like uh, Tim Roth and Reservoir Dogs. I'm gonna turn you into just a a, a luscious barbacoa, just yeah. a nice shredded beef, yeah, just like nice well seasoned. There's a lot of talk about murdering this particular kid. Like a lot of relish of just like, "Eh, well, I think we should ask for more money. (laughs) I want to hear the economic. I want to see that scene where they're like, uh, how much is it to kill a kid? I'm warning you, this is not a water pistol. Neither is this. 
I could turn you into shredded meat in about uh, three seconds with this baby if I wanted to. But you've been a real pain in the neck, so I'm not going to be that nice. You know what I'm going to do to you, boy? I'm going to blow both your kneecaps off. It won't kill you, but it'll hurt worse than any dying you can imagine. Then you know what I'm going to do to you? Huh? Shoot him, Davy. Shoot him. I'm going to shoot you in the stomach. And then when you beg for me to finish the job, I won't do it. I'm just going to watch you die. Slowly. Shoot. Pull the trigger. Please stop. I don't want to shoot you. But I want to shoot you. Kill him. This guy's a jerk. Kill him. All right, I'll show you what a real hero would do. Watch this. Just get him to shoot over here, okay? Okay? Oh, Agent Axel bounce the bullets right back at him. Come on. Come on, turkey, shoot. Come on. Right here. Hit me. Pull the trigger. Jack, go! Were any of us uh, a little curious as they put the E.T. poster in? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, in the room. yeah. Uh-huh. Again, we always love the realities of these movies. Now, this uh, is post-E.T.? This is. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is his, his movie right after E.T. And it looks mm-hmm. so awful. Like, film-wise, like, <laughs> that's the other. I was like, wait, this was came up. E.T. looks nice and, like. There's obviously nice lights you can rent for movies now. <laughs> like this yeah, but again, that was Steven, also Steven Spielberg. And, sure. And I know. This but... is Dick Franklin, who we've already proven is no Alfred Hitchcock, and he's clearly no Steven Spielberg either. Imagine I... Spielberg if Spielberg did this movie. Imagine if Spielberg made this movie with, like, Chevy Chase. And I love Dabney Coleman, but let, let's take him out of it. It's like <laughs> yeah. Spielberg and Chevy Chase. Like, this is... You, you have, like, the inklings of, like, a great picture and not... You know, just roll camera. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, I think the most interesting detail about uh, the E.T. poster being in the background is uh, if you listen to our E.T. Uh, episode starring Ben Green, uh, you'll learn that uh, <laughs> the video game associated with E.T. is actually what caused the big game crash. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, this cloak and dagger game was in development at the same time as uh, the movie was in development. Uh, it was like a simultaneous thing. Uh, eventually, like two people sort of like put them together. But in the original script, it was just Donkey Kong. It had nothing to do with spies. It was just <laughs> like it was just well, thrown in there. But uh, let me let me make my sure. point real quick. So uh, E.T., the cartridge, uh, they spent too much money. Uh, Atari had to sell. Uh, caused the game crash while it was in development. They hadn't finished the game. And so what we see on screen is actually like the arcade version of this game. Mm-hmm. This uh, the console game never saw a release mm-hmm. because of the crash caused by E.T., which is advertised in the movie. Uh, sort of like, uh, I don't wow. know, uh, the the snake eating itself. Yeah, I mean, it's how many I wonder how many video games they trashed back then. They were like. It seems like a real caveman making fire era of just like, fuck, this is not working. I thought we had, we had this down. Like the video games, like <laughs> it's not that long ago. It's only like 30 some years ago from to go from that to what we have now, which is like you put on NBA 2K and it fucking looks like real life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the other thing is like about the cloak and dagger video game. 
is that Jack Flack in the game does not look like Jack Flack, the role-played version or the fantasized version. He looks like the Hamburglar in the video game. (laughs) Yeah, it's like spy versus spy, you know. He looks like, like, or like a pervert in that trench coat, like like Leisure Suit Larry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is another better movie. Like a kid just fantasizing about Leisure Suit Larry. (laughs) (laughs) So you're you're saying, why is he imagining his dad instead of just like an 8-bit Hamburglar? Well, they're not, it's it's like like two-dimensional. No, yeah. He has like a a thing, that Hamburglar thing over his eyes. Yeah. He has like a trench coat and like a yeah. hat and like he's like a. In like, the game, he's not wearing like the beret, like the military. He doesn't have beret. a beret and a fucking jacket with a thousand pockets. Yeah, it's like it's not even close. It's not even like you wouldn't even put it together that you're like, oh, that's yeah. from that video game. But I, I think also it's it's less the video game and because uh, the uh, uh, Davy is playing with Kim in the beginning, more of a role playing version of the game. Yeah. And so that's that's when we see Jack Flack, who, as all spies do, arrive uh, in a gigantic uh, United yeah. States flag parachute just <laughs> out of nowhere. The, the beginning of the movie just really grabs you with having anonymous russian soldiers talking to each other in russian with no subtitles yeah. <laughs> just like just like a full big chunk of time where you're just like this is gonna grab children how like how's this work? i want to know if it's real russian yeah i didn't know yeah. I, I thought they were just doing gibberish yeah even when jack flat comes in it's like we don't we don't get much that's a very violent opening too. Like that dude yeah. stabs himself, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got a couple of those like uh, those like sped up Steven Seagal like action movie uh-huh. throws where you can see like they did it at like sort of a slow safe speed, and then like for the actual footage, you see it fast forward to make mm-hmm. it look like a fast throw. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, those dice really threw me though. That's that like was a cool. Really, yeah. That was yeah. actually cool. That's like where it wakes you up. You're kind of like, oh, shit. Okay, what is this movie? This is weird. This feels like a nightmare. You're like, oh, wait. It went from like hyper real to like cardboard made dice just rolling in. They looked so fake. Also, this movie, I I grew up in the 80s. I was a latchkey. I was never this latchkey where I just hung out at the mall with a full grown man who then sent me to a building downtown. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, hey, hey, here are the keys. Go get me uh, <laughs> like yeah. some cigarettes. And and also the kid walking around in that building with a gun. Yeah. As soon as he nobody, walks in, I'm like, yeah. nobody is like, hey, what? even the security guard's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, never was like, do you have, is that a real gun? Yeah. That's what's, it's so hard with these like old movies to separate what was, what was like normal for the time and what was like, no, that was weird in the movie, even when it was released, you know? So like one, one thing for me was like the relationship with all of the adults, like between, between the main kid, what's his name? (laughs) Uh, Davey. Davey. Thank you. Davey. David Osborne. Is that Not Crockett. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, the relationship between Davey and all of the adults in the movie is like so troubling. Just, just that this kid is being chased and like harassed and like, he's telling people that person's trying to kill me. And every single adult in the movie is just like, Oh great. Yeah, sure thing. Let me get on the phone with the FBI right now. I gotta say, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the oldest on this zoom. I think that that's how adults work. Yeah, I think so too. I really do remember that. I do kind of remember being like adults just being like, shut up. 
and like going yeah, back to yeah. adult conversations. Yeah. There's I, so much of it. There's a, mm-hmm. the the the, bar, the parts that really stuck out to me were the two henchmen. God, I love those two henchmen. The guy yeah. in the gray the gray yeah. tracksuit. So the the two henchmen chase them all the way up to the bus. There's a bus that's that's like ready to ready to bounce, right? They they all four of them, the two kids and the two henchmen get to the bus door at about the same time. The kids get let on and then for some reason they close the door on the henchmen. <laughs> and then the kids walk through the bus and so everybody on the bus has just seen these henchmen just like get mm-hmm. all the way up to the fucking door of the bus and unsuccessfully try to kidnap these kids later on that same bus ride there's a person behind the bus with a gun shooting at the kids and the kids are talking about like we got to get out of here before they kill us and whatever and these two adults are just kind of casually watching them talk about <laughs> this <laughs> it's like no no inquiries no nothing i'm uh, i'm glad you mentioned the henchmen uh in particular the mustachio gentleman uh who plays uh the role of haverman uh his name is tim rosovich uh and this guy uh was a uh, a football player he was an all-american defensive end uh on the national championship 1967 uh usc trojans oh. uh which uh was led by the great uh untainted oj simpson yeah uh he was a first-round pick uh, for the Phil- Philadelphia Eagles. He had a Pro Bowl spot in 1969, and he is also incredibly fascinating. Uh, he apparently, during college, uh, one night he leapt out of his girlfriend's second-floor dormitory window. Uh, after a fraternity house shower, he climbed naked onto the ledge uh, because he uh, thought it would dry him off quicker. Uh, he once dove 40 feet into a shallow river and cut his legs severely and then uh, took a swim in the USC fish pond, uh, uh, which infected his wounds so badly that he fell into a coma for four days. Holy shit. God damn. He also liked to strip and cover himself with various substances, i.e. shaving cream, whipped cream, and gasoline. Uh, at one party, he stripped down and jumped onto a birthday cake. It's very consistent. Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes he would uh, he would <laughs> drench himself in gasoline, light himself on fire, show up at a party, and then after people extinguished him, he'd like stand up and be like, "Sorry, I'm at the wrong apartment." Wait, what? Time out. What? Wait, how? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How? Yeah. He, he lit himself. You he doused are, himself in gasoline and yes. lit himself on fire. You were and he's on, like, just like wait, wait till you see how yeah. people react yeah, I mean, to you're, this. You're banking on people answering that, like being right by that door. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> you I don't I, have a lot of time there. I think in general, if you're throwing a party and Rosovich might be coming, you're like, let's get that extinguisher over by the door (laughs) just in case. Uh, He used to drive motorcycles off piers. He would swallow lit cigarettes. He would drink motor oil. Uh, this is like this is starting to sound like one of those fucking like Chuck Norris posters yeah. that you would hang in your room uh-huh. in college. That's uh-huh. like <laughs> Chuck Norris's two two legs are named Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. He uh, he got into a drinking contest with Mike Ditka, and then uh, after like drinking like I I think like ten times as much as Mike Ditka, he just started uh, eating the bottle. He would chew glass, and then Ditka was like, "Actually, I'm good. Uh, you win." Uh, and then uh, after all of that, uh, his uh, his roommate at USC was Tom Selleck. And so he just started doing TV and movies. Wow. 
<laughs> and um, what's he doing now? Like accounting or something? Uh, he's very dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a charred, crisp, covered yeah. in shaving cream. Yeah. Nobody answered the door. His lung, his lungs are torn up from bottles of glass. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, he's a, a pool of ash at the bottom of the USC <laughs> pond. I just uh, like that when they you first see them, they're like kind of like spies, like they look tough. I mean, yeah. it's like obviously the next day they're like, okay, dress casual, and he shows up in the matching gray sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, do you think the other dude was like, what are you wearing? He's like, what? I look like a normal guy. He's like, no, you don't. You look like a fucking. Yeah. The first scene, they look like sort of like CIA, like office guys, yeah. basically. Like, I got a piece on me, but like, I'm mostly, you know, clean cut. And then he's just like a Hulk in gray sweatpants <laughs> for the rest of the movie. Yeah, the most conspicuous guy you can be. Yeah. He just like, and also all that stuff you said about him makes sense because his, his, when he first breaks into the house, he doesn't like, he doesn't even like try to try to get through the glass window of oh, the door God, in like yeah. a, in like mm-hmm. a uh, let's do this the right way. He just sort of like walks through it as if yeah. he's like the Kool Aid Man or something. I'm sure his first was like I could just eat it. I could eat this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you want me to eat it? Yeah. No. You want me to pick up the shards off the floor once I get into the house, or when I, do I let myself on fire? That's all I want. Yeah. When does that happen? I hated that scene so much because they they broke uh, they broke the window with the softball and then like and then immediately the hand just uh, went through and was just like shaking around rapidly like it yeah. it unnerved me like it was gonna be sliced and then like the very next thing was just like straight through the window like straight through the door as the only way to heighten from uh, from the last one. It was very zombie esque. Yes, they just came crashing in. Also, when he when he gets through uh, Davy's like wooden door, when they, they try the doorknob and it's locked, and then he just takes a step back and just does like no wind up, just a straight punch <laughs> through yeah. the top of the door. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, do you guys know anything at all about uh, what this story was based on? The search for the stealth bomber. Uh, so uh, Cornell Woolrich uh, wrote a short story called "The Boy Who Cried Murder." Uh, this was remade uh, three uh, three different times besides this. Uh, first in The Window. Uh, Cornell was a writer uh, of the jazz age, and he, uh, he was heavily influenced by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, after that dried up, he started writing pulp novels. Uh, he moved to Los Angeles. He married uh, Gloria Blackton, and then they separated three months later, uh, because the marriage was not consummated. Uh, the reason for the quick separation was the wife discovered a diary in which Woolrich recorded his homosexual experiences. Uh, apparently, he was very promiscuous, frequently donning a sailor's uniform, which he kept hidden in a locked suitcase to wander the waterfront at night in search of encounters. Hmm. Uh, that film... Yeah. Uh, that. era. That film that I, I also just like the uh, 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 just the the going to the closet and like taking down this little suitcase and just being like, Cornell, it's your time to shine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the plot of The Window, uh, which was the first time this short story was remade, uh, was uh, a, a little boy uh, in the Lower East Side has a habit of crying wolf. And late one night, he climbs up the fire escape and sees two normal neighbors murdering a drunken sailor in their apartment. A lot of sailor t- stuff. Yeah. A lot of sailor stuff. 
but yeah, he was a very sad guy. Um, after his mom died, uh, he went into physical decline. Uh, he was in his 60s. Uh, he had a had cataract surgery. Uh, he was lonely. He was racked by the guilt over his homosexuality because it was a different time. Uh, he was tortured by alcoholism, self-doubt, and a diabetic. Uh, and he neglected himself so much that he had a toe infection caused by a super tight shoe, uh, which became gangrenous. Uh, he had to amputate his leg, uh, and uh, he uh, he converted to Catholicism, was confined to a wheelchair, and he lived in a hotel where uh, the uh, the people who worked there would take him out to the lobby, and he could just like wheel bound, like just look at uh, like the passing traffic, um, as he was just like a sad, darker version of a self-loathing James Stewart character in Rear Window, which was also inspired by one of his short stories. Um, So he basically became a sadder version of the story that he wrote, and uh, he died uh, weighing 89 pounds. Jesus. Good for him. And uh, this... What year was was that? When did he die? When did he... Uh, I don't know when he died. Si- 68. I'm looking at his... Yeah, 68. Yeah. I'm looking at his, I just, uh, just want to point out, if, if anybody, you know, ever tries to tell you that, like, life isn't getting easier, more more so as things go along, think of everything that Kevin was just saying. Yeah. <laughs> compare it compare it to our gray sweatsuit henchman's yeah. life. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the two, the two timelines of yeah. how, like, what they, what they experienced. I just want to, I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now, and uh, this is funny to me at least. Uh, it says his biographer, Francis Nevins Jr., rated Woolrich the fourth best crime writer of his day behind uh, Dashiell Hammett, uh, Erie Gardner, and Raymond Chandler, who definitely have biographies written on him. And I just had to settle for this guy who's pretty good. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's essentially what that is. It's like, no, he was really good. I mean, he's the best, but I mean. <laughs> But anyway, that has been our new surprise segment. Sad time with Sad Boy. You guys want to see me eat this bottle? (laughs) (laughs) Pony, the the wild mambo, the the hunk of chunk. My final... Uh, she's interesting. She's sleeping. <laughs> oh, don't wake her. Don't wake her. <laughs> so, so, sh- 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 uh, my final scene, uh, <laughs> that made me go home was about, uh, uh, when Kim gets off the phone with Davey and her mom is just like raring to go and gets up in there. And, uh, she like is so anti Davey. She's just like, is he always like that? Doesn't it drive you crazy? Like, this mom is getting in Kim's business, and Kim is just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, he's the he's the only interesting boy on the block. And she's like, oh, did I teach you that? Like, I <laughs> I am fascinated uh, by by this woman who like then immediately goes into like, uh, what's his father like? And she's like, he's not your type. And she's like, how would you know that? And then he's, she's yeah. like, uh, he's in the army. 
And then it's just a weird moment of like, we have we have to think about her past relationships that either <laughs> yeah. were very yeah. anti-military or like her mm-hmm. her original father was like an army man and that's why they divorced. And yeah, you, you can just see you just see like a, a, a look of like there's just heaviness being yeah. <laughs> like, and you can totally see like the first cut of the movie that scene's not in it. And then yeah. the Richard Franklin comes in and he's like, No, I want to put it back in. And the editor's like uh, why? Why? <laughs> why? Well, because uh, they're gonna they're gonna run into each other later, the two parents, <laughs> and there is zero sexual chemistry that I got, yeah. and so I have right. to explain why. And uh, also, like way before the Bechdel test was ever a thing or talked about, but a good example of like failing it pretty <laughs> yeah. hard because her conversation with the daughter is about Davy and like how much do you mm-hmm. like do you like the boy? He's the only interesting boy, whatever. And then she asks about his father yeah. as like a potential. You know, it's yeah. really we need to see with two women talking. <laughs> Yeah. What are they yeah. going to talk about? The men. Well, of she course. asks about the boy. Yeah. She asks about the dad. She wants to fuck the dad. Probably she's lonely, <laughs> single mom. I, I have a question about the very end of the movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that there is a possible interpretation of this film where we still haven't figured out just how much of what Davy sees is a delusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, he says goodbye to his, uh, his unrealistic role model, realizes uh, that his father saved him uh, coming out of the plane, has a new role model, and then the plane explodes. We see that there is, uh, there's like no shadow of his father in there. The, the explosion has fully encompassed him. Uh, and then he walks, doesn't run from the shadows. The first shot wearing a beret, the second shot just with his father's hair, and he mm-hmm. embraces his father. I think his dad died. Well, the, dad's dad's dead. Dead. the dad's dead. The dad's dead, dead yeah, for yeah. sure. That's, the that's dad is dead, it. and now and like <laughs> his delusions have just transferred onto a more realistic role model. Yeah, his new imaginary friend is just his the dad, father, the yeah. worst imaginary yeah. friend he could have is your yeah. father. <laughs> and no, so yeah. your so your idea post of what this movie should have been uh, does come full circle, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. yeah. <laughs> And then Davy goes to an orphanage, and then you get Silent Night, Deadly yeah. Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go to reviews. Gary Arnold of the Washington Post wrote, Coleman and Thomas are unusually sympathetic embodiments of a father and son, and they have some moments that are legitimately stirring. Cloak and Dagger is never as adept or perceptive as you'd like it to be, but it's got what members of the critical fraternity traditionally characterize as, quote, a little something. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And now we go to our heralded segment. is a critic we go to jr who wrote on amazon one star hard to follow this film was about a magician posturing as a military man (laughs) (laughs) 
he lures the antagonist into a ring of lies, deceit, and espionage, all the while appearing and disappearing at his liberty. This film was very confusing. The choice of traits given to the magician were very odd. He popped up at the most inopportune times. This may have worked for a comedy, but there was really nothing funny about this. Why the military uniform? This was just stupid. <laughs> That's amazing. JR. Is that is that like us taking our uh, cultural understanding for granted of like, oh, we know how imaginary friends work, you know? Because like they never like explain like, oh, imaginary friends in the movie. So is that just like JR doesn't have that baseline concept? <laughs> hmm. Like for him, somebody phasing in and out of existence right. on screen is just a magician. <laughs> <laughs> It's more of a face value interpretation. Yeah. Uh, so JR, who found this movie hard to follow, also gave four stars to Brinkman Smoke and Grill Charcoal Smoker. Not a bad product. This product filled my entire house with billows of noxious smoke. Once I got it out onto the patio, it worked flawlessly, and the brisket it prepared was outstanding. This product is best suited for outdoor use. Even if you have a vent above your stove, the vent does not filter the smoke out of the house fast enough. Oh, no. So I think that's the separation between four and five stars. If you make, uh. if you make a smoker that can be indoors, <laughs> that's a full five, baby. I like this barbecue. It stayed in one place and didn't phase in and out. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, also, no fake military yeah. uniform on this BBQ. Why the military uniform? Why? Why? Why would you dress up a smoker? It, it's for charcoal. Uh, should we head on down to Pop Corner? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Justin? Uh, Wait, what is the? I missed the drop. So what is this? This is popcorn. This is our our reviews. We we review the film in some way related to popcorn. It can just be the letters that make up popcorn. It can be a memory of popcorn or uh, something of your own devisement. Uh, I'll go first. Um, uh, You make some popcorn. And uh, you make enough for your, you and your friends, and you're sitting down ready to watch a movie. And but your friend brings his own bowl of uh, snacks, and you look in, and it's just uh, shards of glass. And he's <laughs> like, uh, "I'm good. I don't need popcorn. This is my this is my snack." And just is eating glass. Yeah. Uh, for me, this movie is some old timey popcorn. Uh, that I just I just bought a brand. Uh, I I didn't think twice about it. Um, I sit down to watch a movie. I start eating it, and I realize that my God, the last time I ate this was uh, with my mother and father before they died in a car crash. And then uh, and then I I sort of like my brain tickles, and then I hear them in the kitchen, and I go and talk to them. Uh, and they're phasing in and out of view. Mm. <laughs> I, I forgot that they were amateur magicians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie is your kid and your mom's like, uh, do you want to go to the store with me? And you're like, no. She's like, all right, well, I'll be gone for like an hour. Don't touch anything. And you're like, okay. 
and you're dumb and you're like, you know, I'm going to try to make some popcorn. I've never used a microwave before. And you put microwave, you put popcorn in and you're like, I don't, I guess I'll put like eight, eight minutes or something. <laughs> and like four minutes in, it just starts, the whole house is like full of smoke and you're like kind of panicking, like what the fuck? And then you get it out and it's like burning you throw it outside and then your mom gets home. She's like, what the fuck happened? And you're like, uh, nothing. And she's like, what the fuck do you mean? Nothing. And you're like, I swear I didn't do anything. And she's like, this is why your father left. <laughs> hmm. um, this movie is, uh, uh, you get to the movie theaters and you actually wanted candy. Like you really wanted Sour Patch Kids. But then you see that if you buy uh, medium popcorn, it comes with a promotional tie-in of a Super Mario Brothers interactive maze on the box of the popcorn that you can do. Like, you can, like, draw and, like, oh, watch, help Mario jump to the next platform. And you're so fucking starved for video game content that you get the popcorn <laughs> instead of what would you would have really wanted. And you enjoy it more because you're that into video games as a young child. Uh, and it delivers. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Ali, thank you so so much for joining us on this podcast uh you are funny you're insightful uh overall you're just a nice guy and uh i think we're all lucky to have you as a friend and a guest mm -hmm. um is there i feel the same about the three of you thanks so much for having me we just want to swim in your dimples and you're and you're <laughs> very good at video games remember when we smoked those kids in nba jam me and post got an nba J nba jam twosome going on man it's yeah. good you know, you know how I know it's real is because we've got it down so that if somebody's gonna go for a monster dunk and there's mm -hmm. gonna like a lot of glory in it, mm -hmm. but the teammates open on that three point line, we will kick it out to that person. Oh, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Dunk. We we kept one team almost scoreless, right, for almost the entire yeah. game. And we yeah, were we were funny. wiping the floor with these young people. It was insane. <laughs> What uh, what wild. kind of partnership was it? Alonzo yeah. Mourning, uh, Larry Johnson, that sort of deal, or who are we? Yeah, who are we? I going was Stacy Ogman. Remember, we did that. Yeah, we, that's the uh, one I think we almost blanked that team. There's photo. <laughs> we went to an event, and there's there's there was a photographer around, and there's pictures of us doing it, and the in, the intense look on my face. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I need to channel this into other things. And I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that face well. I've used it on Cable yeah. Boys posters. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Ali. Uh, is there anything that we can uh, direct our many, many hungry for content fans that we have uh, towards of yours? Yeah, if it won't break the Instagram servers, uh, feel free to check out uh, ALI underscore G-H-A-N-D-O-U-R on Instagram. Uh, if I'm ever in anything fun or have shows coming up, I usually try to post about it there. So it's a good place to start. Um, if you're a Twitter person, I'm on there too, but it's harder to find because my <laughs> username is weird as fuck. So look for one of these guys and then you can probably find me there. I, I bet we can tag you in the post. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, your dream. Uh, this has been the Cable Boys. Uh, if you don't already, go ahead and subscribe to us and rate us five stars. Because quite frankly, that was a five-star episode. And if you don't think so, then you need to have your brain checked, my man. Uh, because there is fucking cotton inside your ears. Yeah, and it yeah. is getting rid of that blood flow. Bunch uh, of fucking jelly blasters out there. Yeah, you little yeah, jelly, jelly blaster. Jelly blaster. <laughs> Take your little fat fingers and yeah. go to iTunes and hit five stars. You fucking losers. Like, what are you making? What are you yeah. doing with your lives? 
What are you guys but a bunch of turkeys? So freeze turkey. This so embarrassing. embarrassing. Oh, 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 oh,